Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, Craig, Christmas is creeping up on us with a knife in his hand. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's not the end of the corny jokes, I'm sure, especially when we start talking about this movie. We found another Christmas movie that we hadn't heard of. Well, I hadn't heard of it before. Had you? No. This is um, another, I believe, Canadian movie, although I'm not 100% sure on that called To All a Good Night, and it came out in 1980. It came out right on the heels of, actually, I think the same year as Friday the 13th. And if Friday the 13th hadn't come out first, you would think that Friday the 13th borrowed a lot from this movie. But I think it's quite the other way around. But it's interesting because the director of this film is David Hess. And Mm -hmm. um, David Hess is a rock star, almost literally, David Hess was uh, is multi-talented, uh, mostly as a musician, but also did some dabbling in film. Some of our listeners might remember him as one of the bad guys in The Last House on the Left. Oh. Yeah, you remember that? I mean, he's got like... Well, I didn't know that was him, but mm. I... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I looked him up, but I was just looking for his de- directorial stuff. And this is the only movie or at least feature film that he directed. Yeah, he's only been in like, I think he only has like 39 acting credits to his name, which is more than I do. Yeah. But, you know, it's like uh, random movies here and there, nothing really big. He did a few things on TV, but uh, as a musician, he has written a number of hit songs for people. He wrote All Shook Up for Elvis Presley and uh, some country things like... um, for Conway Twitty and Andy Williams and Pat Boone and a number of people. I mean, he's just had a, I think that's where he's made most of his money and gotten most of his fame. And according to him, it's where he's most comfortable. But he's done some dabbling in film too, as an actor, and then behind the scenes uh, as a producer sometimes, and then directing this. And you're right, he hasn't really directed much besides this. So I guess maybe after this movie, uh, he wasn't in huge demand as a director. And then uh, the movie was written by a guy. Alex Rebar. Alex Rebar, yeah. What did you find out about Alex Rebar, Craig? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He's also an actor. He's dabbled in uh, in television a little bit. He has about eight writing credits to his name. Um, this, a movie called Demented, which I think we need to throw on our on our list. Another movie called Nowhere to Hide, and and that's kind of about it. So really, this is about the only thing he's done as well. And for both of them, more or less their very first gig out there. And so clearly they're going for the horror genre, as we sort of talked before. It's sort of the way to to make your mark in a safe way. It doesn't require a lot of money. I think this movie had a budget of about $75,000. Almost completely takes place in a in a mansion, uh, in the mm-hmm. grounds surrounding the mansion. So it was probably pretty cheap to shoot. And then I saw an interview with uh, one of the actresses who mentioned that they had actually just stayed in this mansion mm-hmm. and filmed this movie over the course of 10 days. So cheap. Quickly shot uh, slasher movie in the vein of Friday the 13th, very, very much so. And borrows from a couple other movies as well, as we'll probably get to mm-hmm. talking about. And aside from those two people and one of the stars in this movie who ends up being the final girl, her name is Jennifer Runyon, there's not many people of note in here with a couple, well, there are a couple others. Harry Reams. <laughs> yeah, Harry Reams, right? So I'm familiar with his work. <laughs> I guess we can both admit that, huh? It wasn't until the last scene with him in it. I don't know if it was just too dark or we didn't see much of him at the beginning of the movie. But at the end of the movie, when he comes in, I did a double take. I was like, no, no, that is not. Oh, my God. 
That is totally That's funny. And funny. I couldn't remember having seen him at all. I'm like, I don't know who that is, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of crazy. But he's he's credited here as Dan Stryker. Harry Reams uh, is a pretty famous uh, porn star. And he did not do much outside of porn just because of the stigma attached. This This movie... Um, he starred in another film that didn't get major distribution because of his... Actually, uh, the other film that was written by Alex Runbar, Demented. He was a star in that. And uh, 20th Century Fox would not pick that up because of his notoriety as an adult film star. And so... Uh, Lame. That, yeah. It was a different time. And that's funny because I don't remember exactly. I remember reading about it at some point, but he... Uh, he's notorious for having starred in Deep Throat and... Um, you know, when Deep Throat came out, like it was like wildly popular, like it, it was kind of like the first mainstream porn movie. And, you know, people who typically didn't go to, you know, like seedy porn theaters were actually going and seeing this movie. And if I remember correctly, he just kind of happened into it. Like, I think he was on the crew or something. Yeah. <laughs> I may be making this up. No, you're not. Um, it's true. But I think he was like on the crew and they recruited him to be in it. And he had never really done anything like that before, but he did. And that kind of launched his career. And it's funny because you look at him and he's just this very kind of charming, you know, like, yeah fatherly looking guy you would never guess that he made a name for himself in adult films but he did <laughs> <laughs> a big name a very very yeah. big name <laughs> yeah and then he went ahead and um retired in the early 80s married a super religious woman and moved to utah i, I assume became Mormon, converted to Christianity or something, and never said anything negative about his previous career. He never denounced it. In fact, he he said quite openly he wasn't ashamed of it, but he completely left it behind and became like a real estate broker. Hmm. Died like of like heart failure or something like that. Uh, oh, I think it was pancreatic cancer or something like that in uh, 2013. So I know way too much about Harry Reams. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But he, me too. He's got he's got such a tiny role in this movie. Yeah, uh, that yeah. it's kind of a blink. If you don't know who he is, it's it's a blink if you miss it kind of thing. The other woman in here before we get going is Jennifer Runyon. Now it's interesting. Jennifer Runyon. She was one of these people who, when I was watching the movie, I thought, okay, now she looks very very familiar to me, but I could not place her. Uh huh. And uh, this was her first acting gig. And she went on to do a lot of stuff in TV, uh, but probably most famously as the female student in Ghostbusters in the very opening yeah. scene. Isn't that funny? Like, yeah. she, she's in that movie for maybe like three minutes, but you totally recognize her. She's the girl that Bill Murray's like doing these psychic experiments or whatever. <laughs> and she's getting every answer wrong, but he's telling her that she's getting them right. Cause he's just flirting with her. And yeah. the poor guy that she's testing with, he's actually getting stuff right. And Bill Murray's telling him he's getting it wrong and like giving him shocks or whatever. <laughs> it's so funny. I, yeah, she's so recognizable from that bit part in that movie. I also remember, um, Back, you know, after the Brady Bunch got canceled, it was so popular enough that they were doing specials all the time. Like they had a variety show and there was a cartoon. And eventually, uh, sometime in, I think, the late 80s, they did a Christmas special. 
And the girl who played Cindy opted out. She didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, Jennifer Runyon took her place and played Cindy in A Very Brady Christmas. And I remember that. I remember when it aired. Like, it was an exciting thing. (laughs) (laughs) For some people. But anyway. No, you're right. It was. She's the only uh, other recognizable person. I didn't recognize anybody else. In fact, I clicked on them to look at their resumes or whatever. And a lot of them, in fact, were only in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) This was it. Big surprise. Well, I'm kind of a little surprised. I mean, some of them are, they're not halfway bad. I mean, it's sometimes it's not terrible. It's hard to tell with a movie like this. You know, what is it really? Is it the acting? Is it the director wasn't good enough at giving them direction? Was it just the The writing writing. is so bad that, you know, how can you possibly deliver these lines in an effective way? But uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised that some of these people, given their looks, you know, and general screen mm-hmm. presence didn't go on to do more stuff. But it might just be because this movie was severely panned when it came out. Like, nobody really had anything good to say about it. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we dive in and start not saying good things about it? Why uh, not? <laughs> this movie opens up, and it's it's cool because it's such an homage. And actually, this is one thing I really enjoyed about it, is it's... In many ways, it's such an homage to the films that came right before it, like, say, six months before it or one or two years before it. It's clearly trying to get a serious Black Christmas vibe. Yep. It takes place at Christmas, and there's tons of Christmas in it, in the setting. Even some of the more stylistic shots, you know, are shot, like, through the Christmas tree lights and things like that. But it opens up just almost as Black Christmas does on a large, I guess it's supposed to be Calvin's Finishing School for Girls. Or, say, a sorority house. It is, yeah. Kind of take your pick. That's basically what it is. And uh, once again, just like Black Christmas, all the girls have gone home for the winter, and there's just a handful of them left with a house mother. Well, and what was that movie that we watched with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis where... Prom Night. Was it Prom Night where there was like some prank gone wrong in the beginning? Prom Night. Okay. It's the yeah, same deal. It's very right? much like that too. Right? Well, oh, well, no, we saw two with Jamie Lee Curtis where there was a prank gone wrong. Prom night had them very similar to this. It was a bunch of kids though, right? They were chasing the kids through the the abandoned place up to a high place, and then they. Oh yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where like they tricked some guy. Oh into... yes, was that Terra Train? I think that was Terra Train. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Terror Train. Yes. But it's very much like that. Like, it's like this sorority, I guess, kind of hazing thing going on. I don't know. But these uh, sorority girls are chasing this other girl through the sorority house. And the writing is so bad. Like, they're, like, yelling things like, sorority, sorority. What? (laughs) Like, what are you even talking about? And, like, I think one of them has an axe. and yeah. I don't even I don't even know what game this is that they're playing, but they chase her out onto a balcony and she jumps or falls off. And it's a terrible effect. Like they clearly just throw a dummy over the balcony. Well, it looks like she fell about two feet. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the, it's not high at all. A shot from the balcony, which is not far away. And then a shot close up of this dummy hitting the ground. And then another shot of the balcony. And they go, oh, my God, she's dead. And then immediately credits. Yeah. The whole scene lasts like 30 seconds. It's like, the the best right. I can say about it is at least it got to the point. Yeah. So, yeah, so there we are. It's this terrible effect. And then we're, we're, we come in two years later where, like I said, everybody's going home for the uh, for Christmas holiday except for about five or six girls. And then we get to meet them one by one. And 
I, you know, you don't even learn these girls' names until halfway through the movie, really, because they don't start calling usually each other. until like right before they die. Like I had the hardest time. Yeah, and ult- ultimately it doesn't matter because it's Nancy who's like you know the good sweet girl. Obviously, she's gonna be the final girl, and then the rest of them are just a bunch of whores. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Seriously. Seriously, seriously. This, this movie, like, they eventually some boys show up and they all immediately hook up with one boy. But then, like, after they've hooked up with that one boy, it's like, ah, oh, that was fun. Who's next? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's so true. It doesn't even matter who it is. And then no. if it's not the boys, it's the cops who come to investigate. Like, <laughs> God. Yeah, it's, it doesn't paint a very good picture of these ladies. And and some people say that this film is credited with setting this genre, t- some of these rules, right? That if you have sex, you die. Or, you know, if you're slutty, you die. And if you're the good girl or the good boy, you're going to win out at the end. Um, I don't know if that's really true. Maybe it is to a certain extent. But Friday the 13th was was doing that, too. And it came out just before this. Right. But this movie's just over the top with it, really. It's basically shortly after each person has sex that they get knocked off, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, uh, it's all these girls and they're meeting and uh, their their names are like Leah and, uh, I don't know, Melody, Tina, Trisha, Melody. And, yeah. Uh, Doesn't matter. Just a bunch of whores. Let's, who cares? So anyway, they're sitting around and there's a... There, <laughs> and, I, and I'm sorry, like feminists out there i don't i don't mean to categorize women in general in that way but really they're written very poorly like yeah yeah. and i don't know i mean this is after the 70s so maybe they're kind of like clinging on to that whole free love thing which great no it's your body do what you want but they don't come across very well (laughs) no they don't (laughs) yeah no that that's good. Thank you for for, for saying that, Craig. Now we're covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So all these horrors they meet up living room. And, uh, there's a house mother, uh, Mrs. Jensen, and immediately Mrs. J- you know they they discuss the fact, or it becomes clear that Mrs. Jensen isn't their typical house mother. She's a substitute house mother. Yeah. Their real house mother will be coming later. Ding 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 ding. Mm. So. Hmm. Mrs. Jensen is played by a woman who I thought I recognized as well, but I guess hasn't been in a whole lot. Did you look her up? Nope. Kiva Lawrence? She's, uh, I think she, familiar, but I she did a lot more before this movie. She also didn't have much of a career, but she had a bit of a resemblance to, I thought, honestly, I thought she had a strong resemblance to Jason's mother yeah. in Friday the 13th. Same hairstyle. I mean, she's uh, she's she's an attractive middle-aged woman, and she seems, you know, real nice. Um, yeah. She makes them some stew. <laughs> <laughs> and some cherry pie, but only for dessert. Yeah. Hey, Mrs. Jensen, what'd you fix? Stew. And for dessert, cherry pie. Oh, mm, my favorite. Anything you can get your hands on is your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we also see um, just somebody putting on gloves and a knife. And so obviously we know that there's a killer running around. And uh, this person, whoever it is, has like flashbacks of the girl who died. So, I mean, it's just really typical. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Tons of the movies that we watch are formulaic either in homage to other movies or just because and that's fine 
I don't have a problem with that in general. It's just very in your face. Like, okay, here's it's very, it's not subtle. Yeah, here's yeah. okay. I get it. Somebody's pissed that this girl died, and they're gonna take it out on these sorority girls. It's nothing if not economical. Like this shot is uh, the guy puts on gloves, opens a drawer, pulls out a knife picks up a picture of the girl, and then it flashes back and forth between this picture and the shot that we had earlier of her falling, just in case you're not sure who she is. Right. And then it this hand angrily picks up a pen and crosses off a list of names and tosses the pen down. So it's like, gee, I wonder what they're going to go do. It's, it's funny in that way. I think this movie, I'm sorry, Craig, I enjoyed watching this movie just because of this. It was so bad, it was good. I'm putting this movie firmly in that camp from the get-go. I was bored out of my mind. Oh, no way. <laughs> well, it wasn't. Yes. It wasn't exciting. It Let's was put it that so way. It was so boring. It was oh. like, you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. From the beginning, it's you know what's going to happen. Now, there is, there is some um, mystery as to who the killer was. And like, I had some suspicions from time to time, but I didn't feel like it was blatantly obvious. And so I, no. I wondered. It could have been any number of people. It could have been the you know the dead girl's friend or one of the other sorority sisters who was there because this is only two years earlier or later yeah maybe it's her parents or another relative or somebody and they set up like red herrings too like it's so difficult to believe that either this movie wasn't influenced by friday the 13th or Friday the 13th wasn't influenced by this movie because there are so many parallels down to crazy Ralph. Like they both have a crazy Ralph. Like literally that's his name (laughs) in both movies. (laughs) And he's just this crazy guy. You know, I didn't think it would be him because I thought that that would be too obvious. But at the same time, I don't know. It could be him. He's crazy. So (laughs) (laughs) who knows? He walks in on um, somebody standing in Nancy's room and uh, he walks in and starts talking about plants and God. Uh, he he's I guess he's written to be a little religious, but he just has this dumb affect to him that he just. Uh, duh, duh. Oh, Jesus! You scared the hell out of me. Miss Samantha asked me to look in on the plants. Uh huh. We got it's our duty to take care of the plants. Yeah. God put them here to give us pleasure. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and and this is this is even after the first kill. Like one of the girls. Cynthia, I only remember who that is. Just one of these girls pretended to be sick so she could miss dinner or something. And we find out that really there's this guy, Paul, who is waiting for her outside. And he like calls up to her and she's standing there looking down. And then she just takes off her clothes and stands there naked for a second just so we can like ogle her. There's no (laughs) reason. Like, okay, hold on. I just need to get naked for a second. Like, like he doesn't even see it's just for us it's just for us um, yeah. and then she you know she puts on some clothes I, I feel like before she even gets down there he gets attacked by the way the killer dresses in a santa claus suit yes so he gets attacked and killed and then she just walks outside and she just gets killed right away and killed just basically walks into a knife i think yeah it's not even interesting <laughs> no you know i mean it's just just picking people off. It's too abrupt, too. I mean, there's no real suspense in a lot of this. Mm-mm. I mean, you kind of know what's going to happen, so there isn't that kind of suspense. But the girls are talking about how some guys are going to fly in, and they need to keep it from the, the from Mrs. Jenkins. And then there's 
oh gosh, there's another scene where Mrs. Jenkins and Ralph and this woman who comes in and, if I'm not mistaken, never shows up again in the movie. She doesn't. Her name's Tina and she brought a cannoli and that's it. Like, <laughs> 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 I brought a cannoli. All right. Thanks, Tina. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a lot of mean things to say about everybody. And then she leaves. And I thought, okay, well, I wonder what we're going to see her again. Nope. Not a bit. No. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, they have the scene and then the girls are all talking about how they need to, they, they ask Nancy to slip something into the tea that she's going to bring upstairs for Mrs. Jenkins, who's sitting there sewing. It's going to put her to sleep so that they can bring these guys in. And stupid and stupid Nancy's like, why do I always have to do all the dirty work? <laughs> the other girls are like, because nobody would ever suspect you. You're such a freaking goody goody or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah. So dumb. So she does. It's it's not even tea. It's like warm milk. Like warm milk. I have never I've never in my life known anybody to actually drink warm milk. I think this is only a movie thing. I think so, too. <laughs> but in the movies, people drink warm milk all the time. Oh, my God. I've never seen so many people drink milk as in this movie. <laughs> if, they're, if they're not going to the fridge for a beer, they're going for milk. There's no other drink that is <laughs> that anybody has. Like, really? I kind of stopped drinking milk. Well... At least by high school. <laughs> so anyway, these guys, there's a bunch of terrible day for night that just looks like it was shot outdoors oh, during the movie. God, day. it was awful. Yeah, it lo- it's like broad daylight. They're running around with flashlights that aren't even on. <laughs> and they're like, thank God. There's just this throw off line. Thank God for that airstrip. And apparently there is. There is literally an airstrip just within a short walking distance of this house. And they film it really close. So they're trying to hide the fact that this airstrip is out in the middle of a freaking desert. They're like mountains far away. Is this open field. Uh, but we're supposed to believe that this house that is surrounded by woods is basically right on the other side of this. So all these guys land, and guess what? They're all getting off the plane in Santa suits. So now it could be anybody, right? Who's That's the killer? funny. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. And, and it's funny because apparently only one of the people in here, one girl knows one guy. But as all the guys get off the plane, the rest of the girls just grab one and go, oh, you're cute, and walk off with them. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Just like you said. <laughs> and they run into Weird Ralph on the way out. And he's like, you girl shouldn't be out here. Oh, go away, Weird Ralph. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they tell the pilot, the guys turn around and tell the pilot to stay with the plane. Okay. Now, by the way, the pilot is Harry Reams. Mm-hmm. And he literally stays with the plane. like The whole movie. For days, he is in a sleeping bag underneath the plane waiting instead of being invited to this house which is just about a five minute walk away i also thought that was hilarious like why wouldn't you put your sleeping bag in the plane like why is he sleeping on and i don't know maybe it's nice there i don't know (laughs) it's christmas i would think it would be cold but one would think well there's supposed to be like um, there's never snow i guess outside is there true no i don't think so even still it looks like the plane's in the desert so that would be hard to believe anyway So they all end up singing by the fire and they have their moments. Again, it's just so Black Christmas. It's trying to conjure up this warm, friendly feeling. And for the most part, it does, I think. Uh, It feels cozy. Cozy in this house. This guy's a terrible singer. 
Uh, at least somebody calls him out on it. He calls himself out. He's like, I'm a terrible singer. Yes, sir, you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then another shot of Santa in the basement sharpening the next murder weapon, which is going to be some garden shears. Big, big garden shears. And at this point, uh, I don't know, a girl leaves and gets her neck slit. I, I don't remember how yeah, that happened. Trisha, Trisha, I don't know. She had like an Australian accent. She goes to get some milk. Probably. I'm going to go get a beer. That's what it was. I'll go get us a couple of beers. At first, I thought she was French and then Australian. And then it sounded really British uh, toward the end. So, yeah, I couldn't tell. Whatever. She goes off to get some beers. She gets killed. And then whatever guy she had hooked up with, Ralph, he goes looking for her. He get he has a fight with Santa that lasts, I don't know, maybe five seconds. And then he gets killed. Oh, yeah, that's Tom. Tom, who I wish we had seen more of Tom, who's set up to be the jokester. Yeah. Tells about two jokes before he leaves, and they're really dumb. What the hell's Trisha with the beer? Maybe she left you. (laughs) (laughs) With my charm, no charm. (laughs) (laughs) Tom sure is funny. He was one of the more interesting guys, though, at least. But he gets killed really early on. And then we see that Santa is burying these bodies. Like, why? Like, <laughs> why Why are you taking the time to, like, set up a graveyard in the backyard? Like, just go dump them in the garbage. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, w- during that tussle that they have, the music that comes on. I thought, actually, the music was really interesting. It was weird. A little different from the music. I mean, it's it's along the same vein of the music that we typically get for these films, but there was something very dissonant about it that really made it unique. I don't know. That was just my feeling. It just comes in here and there a few times. I thought for a moment David Hess would have scored it, but it's just a guy named Richard Tufo who hasn't done anything of note. And then I just have in my notes, a couple makes out. I think that it's Leah and uh, TJ make out. And then... She does a dance in a leotard with a tray of food. (laughs) What? What is happening? It's so bizarre. And then Nancy is like walking around outside and she hears like sex noises. So she goes over to the window and watches TJ and Leah have sex for a while. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, haven't you ever heard of porn? Like, you shouldn't be... <laughs> standing outside the window watching your friend get phoned. That is weird. Uh, Craig, remember, this is the early 80s. We, I don't even think we had VHS tapes <laughs> at this point yet. If you wanted porn, you had to go get some 8mm. Yeah. You had to find it from some seedy guy, probably on New York Street, and then set up a... a I don't know. There were magazines. Come on. Come on, Nancy. <laughs> don't watch your friends have sex. That's creepy. I mean, unless they ask you to, and then that's a different story. <laughs> right. Nobody's asking Nancy. No. In fact, they're doing the opposite. They're all being like, "Don't worry, Nancy. You'll have your day soon," and then run off with some other guy. It's like there's they're one guy short, aren't they? N- nobody ever thought of Nancy really uh, from the very beginning when they brought these guys in until they'd already boned somebody else, and then she was fair game. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, I love this. The super slutty girl. Um, the, the one, all of them. They 
Oh, Melody. 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 The sexy brunette. Decides that I, the, she keeps calling him Einstein, uh, but his name is Tom? Ralph. No, no not Ralph. Ralph. Ralph's a creepy guy. Alex. Alex, Alex. is the Alex. nerdy boy. Alex is the nerdy, inexperienced. He's supposed to be the male equivalent to Nancy. Hold up. Just real quick. Nancy gets walks away from those people having sex just in time for somebody who is apparently hiding in a suit of armor to shoot the guy through the head with an arrow and then cut off the head of the girl. That's all. Carry on. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's about as quick as it happens. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's, it's a little shocking, but the effects in this movie are terrible. Like, aside from the arrow through the head gag, uh, which we get an arrow through the head, we get an arrow through the body at some point. Um, the, the throat slit, we get a little bit of the aftermath of that. The, the chopping off of the head is a dummy head rolling away. Uh, you don't really get much gore. That's that's up close and personal in this movie. Well, there's one there's one kill coming up later that doesn't even make any sense, but I'll save that for when we get there. Go ahead. <laughs> I like how um, Melody seduces Alex upstairs because Alex is sitting there. She's basically dressed in a bikini and she looks hot and she's standing right in front of him and she's like, don't you like it? And he's looking down at some paper or something doing math equations <laughs> or something. Yeah. And he's like kind of glances up oh uh, uh yeah yeah that that's really great come on genius time to put your immeasurable knowledge to work well uh, i i i think you better show me to my room exactly what i had in mind i think i had too much to drink half a beer uh-huh you wouldn't be checking out on me would you <laughs> oh well yeah <laughs> come on einstein it's time for your advanced course in relativity. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then, and then she's like, "You've never even done it before, have you?" And he's like, "Done it? What do you mean?" And she's like, "You know it." <laughs> <laughs> and this stupid guy. I mean, come on, like. I could understand, like, if he had an objection to premarital sex or something. That's one thing. But, like, he's just distracted by, like, math. Like, come on. (laughs) This gorgeous girl is literally throwing herself at him. I mean, she says it. She's like, ooh, I'm going to do it with a newbie. And he's like, oh, I don't know. Like... (laughs) Either you don't want to or you do. Like, stop pussyfooting around. Like... Who buys your shorts? Uh, uh, I, I do. They're awful. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> oh, God. You'll be changing that to Oh, Melody. Oh, Melody. Oh, what? Oh, nothing. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Oh, dear. Uh, oh, it's so yeah. silly. And then, you know, we don't see anything, but it's definitely implied that they did it. But then what's hilarious to me is that then the next day, like now that he's had sex one time, he's like this Lothario, like, <laughs> <laughs> like making all these innuendo jokes and like coming on to Nancy, Nancy and all it took for him was to get laid once. And like now he's like this Mac daddy, like, hey, baby, like, oh, come on mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i get it yeah melody was hot i get it but now you you failed to mention because this is significant in its stupidity about the kill scene between those two 
that it was actually a suit of armor coming to life that killed them both. You're still you're now you're going back. You're talking about yeah, I'm going back. I don't now. I can't keep track of these people. I didn't care who they were. The, and two, I, the two that Nancy was looking in on, the guy with the crossbow right. and got the head chopped off. It was not a guy in a Santa suit. It was a suit of armor that had been standing patiently in the corner of the room that whole the time. The whole time, yeah. So he took a while to watch them as well, and then yeah. Yeah, whatever. So we're 35 minutes into the movie by now. And Nancy, by the way, Nancy is just wandering around aimlessly drinking milk through this whole thing, not running into any of this. And everybody else, like it's it's the morning and everybody else is sitting at a table together, like like swapping partners. And they're like, they're swapping partners. And Nancy is sitting off at a different table by herself, looking pathetic, just like <laughs> looking at them. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, why did they eat? I, why is this girl even there? Like, why is she even in their sorority? <laughs> she doesn't fit in. But then also, like, nobody, w- once again, nobody seems to care where everybody no, else is nobody's like, paying any attention no oh yeah they're like where's everybody else because a bunch of them are already dead and they're like oh i'm sure they're just off doing something and then even when they find out that like people are dead then they're still like oh i'm sure they're fine don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> no people are dead uh- <laughs> yeah so the cops show up oh well ralph dies Ralph dies. That's what brings Does the cops he? out. Yeah. You didn't oh, that's that. right. Because, no, I did. I did. I didn't really understand how he died. He had, like, a big gash in his head. Like, he got axed in the head, I guess. Yeah. It, it, I mean, nobody knows for sure. They just showed, like, they're running around in the woods, and suddenly he appears. Tina like, finds he's him. He's still standing, and then he slumps over kind of thing. Yeah, weird. Whatever. Okay, yeah. so then the cops show up, and this guy named Polanski. I don't even know why I wrote that down. It doesn't make any difference. But they show up, and they're like, uh, we don't know what's going on, but uh, just hang out here, and I'm, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna leave a couple guys to look out for you. And then the guy who leaves, Polanski's like, I don't want either of you guys touching any of these girls because their <laughs> parents are powerful. Oh, my God. So stupid. <laughs> I love this, though. Polanski doesn't look a lot like a detective. He looks more like a swinger. He's got this plaid jacket and suit on. And when he goes over and he has this conversation with Nancy that's so weird, she's all concerned about, oh, are we going to be okay or whatever? And he walks over and he puts his hand under her chin and he looks Oh, that was so eye. weird. He like stroked her face for like 30 seconds. I'm like, ew. Yeah. Stop touching me. And then he lingers there for a little bit staring at her. And I'm like, are they going to make out? Like, <laughs> what's yeah. going on? Yeah. <laughs> that was bizarre. I had forgotten about that. Uh huh. Yeah. And then I, I just have in my notes infighting. Like, I don't even remember what they were fighting about. The young people argue about stuff. Yeah, it's the typical. Typical, I guess. I don't know. Like, no, everything's going to be fine. No, I'm really scared. Like, yeah. okay. And so then Alex is making the moves big time on Nancy because now he's like this, you know, Romeo or whatever. And then I just have in my notes, Mrs. Jensen is shady. Why do I have that? 
What did because she do that was shady? She just well, because she's just as unconcerned as the rest of them. To be fair, but yeah, I mean, she's responsible for these kids, but she doesn't seem to care. She wanders down the stairs and she just says a few things. Oh, I'm sure they'll turn up just like everybody else. And why don't we just go in and get, eat some cake? Uh, it's just yeah. And 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 the the thing about Mrs. Jensen being shady, I think at this point, is you realize that this other house mother is supposed to come and replace her. She hasn't shown up yet, and you're sort of reminded of that fact that Mrs. Jensen really doesn't even belong in this group. She's an outsider. That's the point where I was like, okay, well, clearly Mrs. Jensen did it. Well, I don't know. I wasn't necessarily thinking that yet. See, but you keep saying like she's not even supposed to be there. I thought that she was just like an assistant mother or whatever. Really? Because they, they all seem familiar with her. It's not like she seems like she's a stranger. I didn't get that vibe. Mm. I just thought that the woman who was in charge wasn't there and was coming back. I don't know. Ultimately it doesn't matter, but she was acting shady. And then Leah, who's probably the whoriest of them all, flirts with the gross old cop like <laughs> and and she's like if you need anything just holler and he's like holler and she giggles and is like maybe later and then 10 minutes she's in bed with him like yeah gross what is wrong with you you have self-esteem problems tj who she was making out with earlier doesn't he end up wandering upstairs he looks in and sees that they're making out kind of gives a smirk and goes back downstairs yes and then he hooks up with melody what was so funny to me was before that i don't even remember who leah was talking to maybe nancy but she was like i'm pretty sure this is the boy i'm going to marry yeah and and nancy's like what and she's like well, he's really rich. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then she's boning the gross old cop upstairs. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I don't understand your character motivation. <laughs> <laughs> well, the house is being patrolled, not very well, clearly, by the cops who are boning the chicks. Melody's making eyes at TJ now, so she, he goes downstairs and making out with her. At some point, I, I wrote down here, the cop, the pilot is still out by the plane. Yeah. And and Santa kills one of the detectives. And I thought this was an interesting scene because it seems like the detective knows who it is. Like, he's like, what are you doing out here in this silly getup or whatever? Oh, and then he that's gets right. axed in the head, which, again, very Friday the 13th, the same exact thing happens. The male director of the camp is out looking around. And it's a killer POV shot. And he's like, oh, it's you. Um, what are you doing out here? And then yeah. he gets killed. I mean, just there are so many beats in this movie that are so similar. It's just really hard to believe that they that there was no influence one way or the other. I don't know. No, I don't but believe anyway. it. I don't believe it one bit. Well, TJ and Melody go outside uh, and they're making out under a tree. And this is a long makeout scene. And then inside, Alex is, is macking on Nancy, and they're having their moment by the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like they're going to hook up. And I love, I love the lines here. They stand up, and Alex takes her barrette or whatever out of her hair to let her hair down. You are cute. I'd rather be beautiful. You are beautiful. <laughs> I know. Um, I just rolled my eyes. Like this is so stupid. Well, he's new. He's new to this Mackin thing, you know. I guess, but like, even except for Melody, who is like 
blatantly sexy. Yeah. You know, she's got the big boobs and very stereotypically physically attractive. Aside from her, Nancy's the cutest of all of them. The others are no, it's true. nothing to write home about. It's not that they're not attractive. They just look like real people. They don't look like movie star people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Melody does. And Nancy has kind of the sweet girl next door kind of look going on. I don't know. Movies do this stuff all the time. Like, oh, if only I didn't have this ponytail and... And glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. You're a dog. You're a real dog. After uh, Leah bangs the old cop, she finds somebody's decapitated head in the shower. And then Santa kills the cop. And then it seems like he kills Leah, but he doesn't because she shows up later. Yeah. Oh. And this is the time you were talking about TJ. And Melody, and they go outside and they have this makeout scene. Now, this is the kill that I say doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Because, first of all, they had to set it up in a totally unrealistic way. Like, they're making out, and then all of a sudden it cuts away from them, and it cuts back. And they're standing a good foot away from one another, or at least their heads are a foot away from one another. And she's like fingering his gums <laughs> i don't even know what was happening and like he almost looks like he's unconscious like he's not even reacting at all but it was all so that they could dangle this wire noose down in between them and get it up under his neck and once they do get it under his neck then he gets pulled up and not only is he being hung but it's like wire so his throat is getting cut too but then they show us what he's hanging from, and it's just the killer Santa holding like a kite spool, holding <laughs> him up. In the tree. It doesn't make any sense. This yeah. is a big guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Not a fat guy, but a big muscular guy. And I'm supposed to believe this Santa can just lift him up in the air on a kite spool, and he's going to hang there and die. That was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was pretty dumb. And also the fact that uh, the Santa also happened to make it up into this random tree that they decided to make out on. All right, so they're dead. Then this point, you know, the Alex and Melody go run around and basically start. And Nancy. And Nancy. I mean, it's the classic. Again, it happens in uh, Friday the 13th, too. Now, in Friday the 13th, it's just the one girl. I think her name was Alice. But it's that run around and find all the dead people scene. Yep. Um, so that you know that something's going on. And run into Leah, who is now on out dancing around. She's got her clothes back on. Yeah, she's like a on. deadite. <laughs> yeah. She's got her clothes back on. She's got her, heads in the, her hands in the air, and she's singing like she's gone totally loopy. And I was like, what is going on? Well, and she's got crazy makeup on, I feel like. Like, she looks like that giggling girl from Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. And they don't react too much to this. I mean, they're like, oh, there's Leo. Okay, well, let's keep going and grab Leah. Come on, Leah, follow us. What are you doing? Uh, and I thought, oh, is she in on this? Like, what happened? Because she was approached by Santa by the uh, with a knife in the shower, mm -hmm. just just like a scene, two scenes before this. Uh, so we thought she was dead, and now here she is fully clothed and just skipping around. Mm -hmm. So I think the implication by the at the end of the day is that she's going crazy. Mm-hmm. Like she's been driven mad by fear or something, I guess. And why did Santa spare her? Who knows? 
well, anyway. I don't know, but this is where the big reveal comes. I mean, I, I don't even know. Well, Melody runs out because TJ's got garroted by the by the wire. So Melody runs out because she's outside. So she runs to the plane, mm. and this is where we see the plane guy, um, Harry Reams, is uh, sleeping underneath the plane in his in his sleeping, sleeping bag. bag so she says come on we got to get the plane got to get the plane started everybody's dead and and he's like okay okay so he gets up and he but the plane's like not working or something and he's like oh, i've mm-hmm. got to fix the generator or something so he's by the wing it's a prop plane i guess and he's by the wing he's got his screwdriver out and he's trying to fix something and we see that santa is now inside the plane this guy this santa can really teleport pretty much anywhere it needs to be Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie whether it's you know in a tree in this plane inside of a suit of armor whatever and uh, as soon as he gets this going apparently santa knows enough to start the plane up and uh the idea is that those propellers start spinning and hack the two of them to bits we don't really see it we just see blood go well you're absolutely right i have to think that this was an added scene because santa is stalking nancy and alex in the house and then there's this whole melody scene where Santa is, and then it immediately comes back to the house. Yeah. And meanwhile, Nancy has just been hiding under a bed for like a half an hour, like <laughs> while Santa was off doing the plane thing. Uh huh. Like, it's it's really stupid. Whatever. Anyway. But well, Alex is gone. We don't really know where Alex is at this. Yeah, point. Yeah, I don't know what happened. To him. Nancy's running around, and we're following her. Uh, the other girl is just Leah is just skipping around, and uh, so it becomes this Santa stalking Nancy throughout the house, and ends up just like in most of these movies. She's running upstairs when she should be running downstairs. So she gets higher and higher in the house, and she runs into a room and out onto that same balcony that the girl had fallen from, and Santa follows her with the knife. And at this point, we know it's been revealed. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it has been revealed in very Friday the 13th fashion that Mrs. Jensen is the killer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's almost you could run the two monologues of Mrs. Voorhees and Mrs. Jensen, you know, side by side. They're almost exactly the same. Yeah. You killed my daughter. It was your fault. Blah, 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 blah. And Nancy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't even here. <laughs> 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 but True. apparently she just blames anybody who is in this sorority or whatever. So she's chasing her around and they end up out on the balcony. And this happens so quickly that I don't even remember exactly how it happens, but somehow Mrs. Jensen ends up going over the balcony and she's presumably dead. It doesn't happen. I mean, it happens, but there's no shot of it. It's like Mrs. Jensen is chasing her. Nancy's out on the balcony. And then suddenly there's a shot of Mrs. Jensen hitting the ground or on the ground. And then it looks up at me. And I was like, okay, so she fell. Nancy just goes inside and starts crying. And here's where the twist is. She's sitting there crying, like covering her face. And all of a sudden, we just see from the back a Santa carrying another Santa, and he sets her down. And apparently Nancy is oblivious to all of this. He takes off his mask. And again, I didn't even recognize him. (laughs) I didn't even know who it was. Yeah, because you didn't see him much in the movie at all. Right. But he identifies himself. Well, he says, you killed my wife. 
and you killed my daughter. So I just wrote down, okay, the other Santa is Jensen's husband. I didn't even make the connection that he was the pilot. He's not the pilot guy. No? He's Polanski. Polanski. He is? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I thought Polanski got killed. No, 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 no. No, it it was the two other guys who got killed. Okay. Polanski left them both. Yeah, Polanski left them both to patrol. Yeah, that's how kind of sloppy this movie is. It doesn't really set these things up for you properly to where you're going to remember them. This character comes in for one scene and leaves, and then, surprise, he's the husband of this wife. So I guess this is Okay, all right, to- hold on. I'm looking at IMDb right now, and it says Harry Reams, and he is credited as the pilot. Yeah. That's not Harry Reams at the end. That's Polanski. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, gotcha. Harry Reams gets it uh, as the pilot, gets it with the... The p- p- I see. Yeah. I see. So All it's, right. but yeah, but I mean, it's it's really hard to tell. It's 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 very confusing. And this is, I guess, supposed to explain how these the Santa can teleport so much, like how they can be in so many places at once. But once again, it's it's still too convenient, even for two people it's hard to believe that these two people are coordinated and can be in all these places and sneak into these, like sneak into the plane while they're standing right there. Mm -hmm, Go mm -hmm. go up into a tree where these two people are there, be in a suit of armor waiting in the corner, just hoping that somebody's going to make out in front of them so that they can come alive and, you know, ax them. Not that all slasher movies don't do this to a certain extent, but they're trying to create this twist and trying to make this clever. And it just, doesn't work (laughs) i don't know i mean it surprised me because i didn't expect there to be two killers but i mean that's it like well and that's an innovation on the friday the 13th right the two killers true yeah but it's not like oh so that's why right oh now i get it it's not so clever to really throw it in your face now wait a minute how could one killer do all this stuff i mean that's what i was thinking but i was just yeah yeah, it wasn't that smart. So what happens is he goes after her, and then suddenly Alex, who we haven't seen for like 10 minutes, suddenly springs up uh, on, it's kind of a an over, over, what do you call it? Overhang, whatever in the room. Like a balcony? Balcony, yeah. I, I don't even remember. And uh, he's got the crossbow, and he shoots it and gets Mr. Jenkins uh, through the chest. Mm-hmm. And then we see... Leah maniacally singing and dancing on the balcony, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, they leave, and there she is, crazy at the house. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, dude. I thought this this was for me. This was in the so bad it's good camp. I enjoyed watching it just because what was happening on the screen was hilarious most of the time. The dialogue was laugh out loud funny. The characters didn't make any sense. Like you say, the girls were painted very very slutty, basically. And the nudity in there is gratuitous. And if the kills had been more skillfully done, Mm -hmm. more suspenseful and more interesting and maybe even a little more graphic, it's the kind of movie that's begging for that. And and it's disappointing that doesn't give you that, you know, Uh, it it probably would have been. I mean, it's never would have impressed the critics. But again, it probably would have been a little bit better remembered, I think, than it has been now. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's hard to find this movie. Uh, it was released on DVD. Apparently, there was some fan outcry and some people wanted a DVD release and it ended up getting a DVD release, which apparently fixed a problem with the VHS release in that for the longest time, you'd, the only copy of this movie you could get a hold of was so dark mm. that it was almost unwatchable. And if you go to YouTube, you can find this movie in a couple different versions. 
the VHS version that I found initially on YouTube was really, really dark. But then uh, later I was able to find a version with Greek subtitles that looked like it was pulled from the DVD transfer. And it was it was very watchable. Yeah, that's the one I watched. It didn't, it didn't look bad at all. I, I could see everything that was happening. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't enjoy it. Now, maybe it was... I, again, I wasn't watching it at night. I... I was actually really kind of trying to squeeze it in like it was kind of a chore and um, <laughs> I was bored. I didn't. You were not in the mood. No, I was. And, and I was bored. Like the characters were unlikable. The kills weren't that interesting. The story was too familiar. Yeah. There wasn't anything that stood out, you know, like if the cinematography had been interesting if the acting had been good if the writing had been good if the kills had been more unique i don't think that it's a terrible story i think that somebody could potentially you know kind of rewrite the script and keep the central elements but make it a little bit smarter and do more creative stuff with it i I don't think that it's a terrible idea i just think the execution was bad and you know, it's low budget. It was shot over 10 days, but I've seen other things that were low budget and shot on a very tight schedule that I've enjoyed very much. And this just did not do it for me at all. I would not <laughs> tell, you know, if people were, I, I would come up with 20 other Christmas horror movies to recommend before I would recommend this one. I, I not for me. How much worse really is this than any one of, say, a half a dozen Friday the 13th movies? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Because it's kind of the I, same thing. I mean, It is. It is kind of the same thing. But those movies, one, they had more gore, which I appreciate in this genre. Right. Two, the kills were a little bit more Creative. interesting. Um. Three, the antagonist was more interesting. You know, maybe if I, maybe if Friday the 13th never existed and then I had seen this movie, maybe I would have felt differently about it, but it just feels like a cheap, not as good copy. Yeah, it's a Um, knockoff. I was surprised, you know, I don't even think Friday the 13th part one was the first one I had ever seen. And so when I actually did see the first one, I'm sure that I knew um, the twist uh, at the end, that it was Mrs. Voorhees all along. But Pamela, whatever her name is, I can't think it off the top of my head, her performance was engaging. You know, she really came across as crazy and willing to do whatever she had to do for revenge. And I liked the final girl better. You know, what's her name in this movie? Janet or no, excuse me, Jennifer Runyon. She's cute, but she's not an amazing actress. (laughs) um, Not to say that the girl from Friday the 13th was either. I was just so much more invested in that movie. Mm. I thought it was scarier. I didn't think that this movie was scary. No, I didn't think it was scary at all. No, it definitely wasn't scary. It was Christmassy. Yeah, and and again, I am glad that we continue to find Christmas horror movies. I really enjoy it. I look forward to it every year. And finding stuff that we haven't seen before, you know, that makes me happy and that excites me. So at least there's that. 
Um, but like I said, there are so many better ones. I don't think it's worth wasting your time <laughs> on this one. Go, go see Black Christmas again. Yeah. Black sure. Christmas is amazing. And they have now done two remakes of Black Christmas, neither of which we have ever, ever covered. I think next year we may have to bite the bullet and do at mm. least one of those remakes. Yeah. I, I, boy, I don't, I'm not sure I'm ready to watch a remake of Black Christmas, but you're right. It's almost our duty. We almost need to. The first remake I saw, and I didn't care for it at all, but I'd be really interested to see what you thought of it. Mm. And uh, the most recent remake just came out this last weekend and it performed very poorly at the box office. I think it made like $4.5 million or something on a pretty big budget. Uh, and I know that they made some significant changes, but it also has gotten some pretty decent reviews. So I'll definitely check it out. But um, no, I mean, Black Christmas is great. Black Christmas is great. Krampus is great. Gremlins is great. There are tons of great horror Christmas movies. Even, um, was it Christmas Evil? That one was I liked good, it. too. Yeah, really good. I liked it. Yeah. All right, well, that's none of those are this movie. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Thanks again for listening, and happy holidays to you all. We do have one more Christmas movie coming up uh, next week, and uh, we're excited about it because it's it's been recommended to us, and it does seem quite unique. It's a foreign film, and we'll just uh, leave it to next week to let you know what it is. I've already watched it. I'm excited to talk about it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can go on our Facebook page. Leave us a message there. You can also find our website, twoguys.red40net.com. We also now have a YouTube channel. If you just search for us, go to Two Guys and a Chainsaw, uh, our YouTube channel. We're just trying to get a new audience, just introduce a wider group of people to our podcast. Other podcasts do this, and it seems to work for them. So if you happen to have a YouTube account, do us a favor. Just go to our channel and subscribe to it, and that way we can up our subscriber numbers, maybe get a little more noticed, and uh, be able to do more fun things on YouTube. Happy holidays, and until next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. Bye.